Heavenly Father, we thank You for this evening. We thank You for the opportunity to come to the throne of grace. We thank You for the opportunity to sing along with the angels, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. We sing tonight our praise to You. You alone are worthy of our praise. Thank You for our sisters and our brother as they always faithfully lead us as we sing praise to Your name. We thank You, Lord, for the good opportunity we have to be together tonight. We thank You for another day of life, whatever condition this day of life has been for us. We pray that You might help us to see Your hand of mercy and grace in it. May we see that You only wish to do good for us because You are the glorious, eternal good God. We thank You, Lord, for the Word of God, and we thank You for the chance that we have to Pause now. We need your wisdom, no matter our age. We need your wisdom so that we might be comforted and encouraged, and so that we might have direction for the days of life we have until we face the time of death and, and heaven as our glorious home. We pray, Lord, that you might help us tonight to open our minds to the truth of your word. As I always ask you, I pray that you'd be with those, uh, these dear least ones, these children who struggle. We don't even have any idea the conditions some of these children find themselves in tonight across Tennessee. Protect those who are in dangerous places. And we pray that you might help those who are in foster care. And we thank you for, we thank you for your grace and your care. We'll never know about it, but you are the Father of the fatherless, and you always do provide for them just as you provide for us. We pray that tonight you might help us to confess our sins and cleanse our minds, put aside those things in our life that are distracting, and receive your word clearly tonight. We only have so many days of life to take your word in and then it gives us direction for the days we have. Thank you for thank you for this time. We pray for our students as they meet, Brother Tim and for Brother Jeff and the choir and Brother Ken and Todd and all the teachers we have. It's such a good time, so exciting to see the people coming and learning God's Word and growing. We pray that you're pleased with what we are doing. We ask that you might be honored uh, through our efforts to glorify you and to minister to people around us. For those who are in this room tonight who are um, struggling in some way in their life, lacking clarity, may tonight the Holy Spirit of God provide direction. Thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you who are here with us. Proverbs chapter number 21 is where we are. We continue our, our time in God's Word, thinking about living wisely. We've come to this section, as I mentioned to you last week, that relates to chapter 19, chapter 20, chapter 21, chapter 22, all and 23, all talk about life and conduct in the world. 
And so tonight we uh, move on with that, and we have two sections that I'm trying to highlight in each of these four chapters. One section has to do with life truths that are laid out for us here. Scott, can you turn that down just a little bit? Sounds just like I'm a little bit too strong. Not, not too much. There you go. Thank you. Life truths, that is living in the world. And then secondly, life conduct, living in the fear of the Lord. The theme of the book of Proverbs is the fear of the, the, fear of the Lord. And so tonight we consider and think about the fear of the Lord as it's related through all of these wonderful chapters. Now let me again mention to you, you may not have been with us last week, so here's something to help you with what seems to be the random nature of the Proverbs. People will say to me all the time, well, I can't outline the Proverbs. No, you cannot. They're not meant to be outlined. They are given to us as various observations of the wisdom of God about the world. And so you have this, what seems to be random, uh, random things, but I will remind you tonight, this is what's happening in the world tonight. So I list them for you here, A, B, C, D, E, F on your outline. I've just clustered them in, these are groupings to describe what's going on simultaneously tonight in the world. In Dixon County, in the United States of America, in Tennessee, all across the globe. And this is the wisdom of God for what seems like the chaos of the world. All these things are happening at the same time. So what does God have to say about what seems to be the chaos of our world? Well, that's what we'll, we'll look at tonight. So as you read the book of Proverbs, for me it is always wonderful because it is the Holy Spirit of God saying to me these words. Yes, Solomon is the one who wrote these down, but these are God's words. These are the, these are the words of Solomon inspired by God. And they are the words of God to us of wisdom, of how to observe and understand how to live in this world. If we understand God's wisdom about the world, you won't be so worried about it. If you understand God's wisdom about the world and His observations, He's giving us true statements about how the world really is. That's, what's, that's what you're seeing here. So that's why I call them life truths. Or we could call them world truths. Life on the earth, here are these observations that God gives to us, and they are true. They're not to be compared with other kinds of philosophy and philosophers. And these are God's observations about the world. We do well to teach our children God's observations about the world, our grandchildren. We do well to remind ourselves of these things. That's why these things are put in these lists. And as we saw chapter after chapter, we saw all of the contrast between the righteous and the wicked there for chapters, we looked at that together. Now we're in this section of uh, these four chapters on life. Here's the way life is. This is what God says to us about, this is life. This is how you understand it with wisdom. And then he says, and here is how you're to live in the fear of God. So we find these commands that come out of uh, these various places in the Proverbs. So let's read it together. Then we'll look at it in some detail. Uh, Proverbs 21. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. 
Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked is sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. The acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. The violence of the wicked will drag them away because they refuse to act with justice. The way of a guilty man is crooked, but as for the pure, his conduct is upright. It is better to live in a corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. When the scoffer is punished, the naive become wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. The righteous one considers the house of the wicked, turning the wicked to ruin. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. A gift in secret subdues anger, and a bribe in the bosom strong wrath. The exercise of justice is joy for the righteous but is terror to the workers of iniquity. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not become rich. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous, and the treacherous is in the place of the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. There is a precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. He who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty, and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. All day long he is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent. A false witness will perish, but the man who listens to the truth will speak forever. A wicked man displays a bold face, but as for the upright, he makes his way sure. There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, 
but victory belongs to the Lord. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. And may the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the focal truth is this. Victory in life is from the Lord. Another clue for you as you read the Proverbs is to always find the statements that refer to the Lord, to Yahweh. They're sprinkled all through this. And today we, and I try to isolate these for you each week in the outline. Some weeks you find fewer of them. Sometimes you find more of them. But it begins, as I've said to you before, Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. So now we have, first of all, this promise. The, the horse is prepared for the day of battle. We know that Solomon speaking this of his own day because the weapon of warfare, the machine of warfare was the horse. Some of you have been on a farm. You don't really want to get in the way of a horse, especially one that's running. You don't want to really let go of a horse that's running. You want to ride that horse even through whatever rage the horse may go through. The horse was the weapon, was the preferred weapon uh, of Solomon's day. He had many horses. Many of you know, as you are in this room, you study your Bible well, you know the thousands of horses. He collected horses from all the world. Uh, the kings of all the earth would brought, brought to Solomon, the king of all kings of his day, all of these beautiful horses. You can read that about his life. But a prepared and beautiful horses, horses that were ready to go, well-bred horses. We would call them registered horses, the best of the breed, the best of their kind. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Who gives the victory? Not your horse, not your weapons, not your machinery, not your plans. The Lord gives victory. The, uh, the paraphrase says the horse is readied for the day of battle, but victory comes from the Lord. So that's what we think about tonight. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you need, that's enough for you tonight. Don't leave though. We still have some more to go, but that's enough for you. You read the last verse of the chapter and there's your message. Victory belongs to the Lord. Oh, death, where is your victory? Isn't that what Paul said? That's what the believer says. Oh, death, where is your victory? That day approaches for us all. Some of us for it sooner than others. The day of our death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your victory? There is no victory in death because, hallelujah, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Can anybody say amen? There is victory in the Lord. There is victory in the Lord. We are overcomers in Christ. We are those who overcome our past. This is such an important teaching in our church. I, I think sometimes we are so, uh, we forget, yes, we want to remember our, uh, our utter sinfulness and we want to remember we are sinners saved by grace, but we are also those who by the grace of God overcome our sin and live in victory and kill our flesh and live spirit-filled, victorious lives. Victory comes to, the, to those who follow the Lord. There is victory that belongs to the Lord. He overcame 
He is the one who overcame. He is the one with the, the Lord Jesus with the keys of death and hell. Look, we follow the victorious one, the glorious one, the Lord Jesus Christ. I do not live my life hanging my head in misery of loss. What seems to be loss is victory. Lift up your heads, my brothers and sisters. Lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. Lift up your heads. Victory is yours. Victory is yours in your pain, and victory is yours in heaven forever. I'm about to get going here. Some of you need to get going too. Victory, my friend. You live in victory, not in misery. Misery belongs to the Lord. Is that what it says? No, victory belongs to the Lord. So with that in mind, now the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, gives you some reality about the chaos of the world. Number one, pride, plans, and lies. That's been going on all over the world today. Another day of plans, man's plans, man's pride, and man's lies. It's happening in Turkey. It's happening in Romania. It's happening in Russia. It's happening in Florida. It's happening in California. It's happening in your house. Pride plans lies. We read chapter 21, verse 4, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked is sin. Here's one of those statements. This is the wisdom of God for you. This is the wisdom of God for me. The lamp of the wicked, the light of the wicked is to sin. Wicked people live in haughtiness and pride. This is a, a continuing theme in the book of Proverbs. Yes, you can get your concordance and go through and find all the words haughty and all the words of pride, collect them up, and then you have the collective wisdom of the book of Proverbs, of God's wisdom on pride. And you can do that. But I remind you tonight that there are those who are living with haughtiness and pride, proud hearts, and the light they have is to sin. The light, the lamp of the wicked is sin. What is it that shines from their life like a lamp? It's sin. And then we read on. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. We saw last week that one who gets an inheritance hastily, it doesn't last. This matter of hastiness, hurriedness. We live in the world of hurry. How many today, this is the first week for the public school people. How many times was it echoed in a house this week? A mother, hurry up. Hurry up! How many times on Sunday, getting ready for church, the kids are in the car, the husband's in the car, and they're all saying to the mom in the house, Hurry up! Hurry up! We think if we go faster, we'll be better. We think that flurry and hurry helps us when actually it slows us down. It makes us less effective and less productive. Who won the race? The tortoise or the hare? Anybody remember that story? 
Who won the race? Some of you, you know what? Go Google that. Go tell your grandkids the story and remember what happened. Are you one of those who pride yourself in going fast? Read the Word of God. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty and lies. We read on, the acquisition of treasures by a lying tongue, that's happening all over the world. That's happening all over the world. Contracts are signed, agreements are made, promises are given, and they're lies. They're lies. The acquisition of treasures by, lying, by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. This is the wisdom of God about pride, plans, and lies. Then we go on, violence, guilt, family problems. Violence, guilt, and family problems all around us in this world. The violence of the wicked will drag them away because they refuse to act with justice. Then we read on. Uh, the way of a guilty man is crooked, but as for the pure, his conduct is upright. You have those who are, those who are guilty and crooked in their ways, and you have the pure who are upright. And then family problems. It is better to live in the corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Family problems are happening all around us today, all around the world. Every language that's spoken, these common Issues of life under the sun are all happening, and this is God's wisdom for us on how to understand it, how to understand it, and many times how to avoid these evils and live for God. Evil desires, correction, discernment, hard-heartedness. Just read again with me. The soul of the wicked, verse 10, desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. When the scoffer is punished, the naive become wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. That's happening. That's happening in the world. It's the reality of what's going on. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. The righteous one considers the house of the wicked, turning the wicked to ruin. This is what happens. This is how life is under the sun, as Solomon will say in Ecclesiastes. Then you have bribes, justice, rebellion, and pleasure-loving. Fourteen, a gift in secret subdues anger, and a bribe in the bosom, strong wrath. That's happening. That's happening. Secret gifts been given by governments to others so that the anger is put away. Someone cuts a deal privately, secretly, and pays somebody off to eliminate someone's revenge. A, bride in the, a bribe is given to subdue strong wrath. This is happening in the world. This is the reality God is speaking about. This is the ways of the world. Understand them. The exercise of justice is joy for the righteous, but is terror to workers of iniquity. You see, as you go on here, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. He who loves pleasure will become a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not become rich. Loving pleasure, loving wine, loving oil. And we saw last week, loving sleep. All of these things. This is the wisdom of God. If you live like this, this is what you'll get. This is what we're having. This is what the Lord tries to give us to guide our lives. Wickedness, righteousness, and family problems. 
The wicked is a ransom for the righteous, and the treacherous is in the place of the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and vexing woman. There is a precious treasure in oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up, swallows it up. And pride, laziness, and wickedness. Again, pride began the list and pride ends the list. 24, proud, haughty, scoffer are his names. What is it? What is it that we call someone who is proud, who has pride? They're proud, they're haughty, and they scoff. That is the order. Pride leads to haughtiness and arrogance. We saw it in our Lord's teaching on Sunday. Don't come in your life to think you aren't going to be susceptible to self-righteous arrogance and pride. It happens in the church all the time. Not just to preachers. It happens in the church all the time. The danger, the danger of self-righteous pride leading to haughtiness and scoffing is the way it ends. You can mark the fact if you meet a scoffer, you're talking to a proud person. An arrogant, self-righteous person. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. May God do what He has to do in my life to keep me from being proud, haughty, scoffer who acts with insolent pride. He goes on. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death. Last week we saw the sluggard so lazy, he puts his hand down in the dish to eat, but he can't even bring it back to his mouth. What laziness. You can get it to the plate, but you can't get it back to your mouth. Now we find the desire of the lazy putting him to death because he refuses to work. God's design for work is glorious. We know it. Pride, lazy. It's happening all over the world tonight. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? To come to praise God with an evil motivation is an abomination to God. And it happens in church. Some would say, I'm going to praise God, but they're doing it in order to be seen by men. They're doing it in order so that someone will be convinced that they're spiritual when they're not. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. A false witness will perish, but the man who listens to the truth will speak forever. This is going on. This is what God's wisdom says will happen. This is the way of the world, and this is God's wisdom commenting. This is the commentary of God on the ways of the world. That's why we need the Proverbs. That's why you read the whole list. Well, Brother Mike, I'm just exhausted. It's just reading the whole chapter It takes you all of five minutes to read the chapter. Surely you're not the sluggard who can't get his hand back out of his plate to his mouth. You see here, 29, a wicked man displays a bold face. But as for the upright, he makes his way sure. So how do we live with conduct in the fear of the Lord in this kind of world? Number one, pursue righteousness. Now we go back to verse 21. We have a cluster of these things that these... um, Statements that are made in 21, 22, 23. And so I want to comment on them for just a moment. First of all, 
What's life conduct? How do we live wisely in the world? This is for all of us in this room. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've walked with God, pursue righteousness. Notice, he who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. There's a cluster of things you find when you pursue righteousness and loyalty. The, the uh, paraphrase, uh, he who strives to do good and kind deeds attains life, success, and honor. So where does it come from? What do, what do we gain in our pursuit of righteousness? Well, uh, Paul reminds us in Hebrews 12 that we're to uh, pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We, ch we chase it. We run after it. This is what we run after. We run after righteousness. We don't run after sin. We don't run after ungodliness. We run after righteousness. We run after Christ-likeness. We run after holiness. What do we learn from the Word of God? Paul teaches us that we're to desire life and good days. This is what we're to pursue. I read it, Peter's quoting from the Psalms, and I've given it here on your outline. The one who desires life to love and see good days. Notice, what do we do? Here's what we do. We keep our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. We turn away from evil, we do good, and we seek peace and pursue it. God says, pursue righteousness and you will find life, righteousness, and honor. I also would mention to you 2 Timothy 2.22. I didn't put it on your outline. But Paul talks about pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So are you doing that tonight? What are you pursuing, friend? There are many people who pursue revenge. There are many people who pursue riches. There are many people who pursue respect. There are many people who pursue acceptance and popularity. What are you pursuing tonight? You pursue, the way you live is what you pursue. Old Bishop Hall, one of the old, old preachers, has a saying about life. I want to give it to you. It's worth you thinking about as we think about pursuing righteousness. This is a lifelong benefit. It's not on your outline. Bishop Hall said every day, now listen carefully to what I'm about to say to you. Every day is a little life. Our whole life is but a day repeated. You need to go home and think about what Brother Mike just read to you. Every day you live is like a life. Today you've had another day to live so far. We're not dead. We're still alive. You've had life today. This is your life. Today... Today is a little life. You've had, this is your life. Now, I want you to think about what you did in your day. Is that the kind of life God wants you to have? What are you pursuing? I'm talking about what are you getting up early in the morning and doing, knocking yourself all out all day to do, and ending the day, falling in the bed. Every day is a little life, my friends. It's a little, it's a life. Every day is a life. And our whole life is but a day repeated. You know why? What people did yesterday, they do today. 
and they do it tomorrow, and they do it tomorrow. They have a routine, and you have a routine, and I have a routine. What you discipline yourself to do, how you, what you practice, turns out what's really in your soul. I want to be a spiritual person. Well, then you're going to have to practice spiritual disciplines and follow God. That means you're going to have to put aside some other things that have filled your schedule and give time to God if you want to be that person. But you see, we try to blend it together. Every day is a life. Our whole life is but a day repeated. Pursue righteousness. Number two, overcome wickedness with God's wisdom. 22, a wise man scales the cities of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Here's this image of the wise. Uh, and Solomon has in mind a story. He has in mind this story of a wise man who was able to uh, overcome a, a city. I think that Joshua uh, chapter 8 is a good example, and I won't read it all to you, but it is a great example of overcoming the enemy by God's wisdom. You know the story. Israel is outnumbered by as they move across the promised land, conquering it, and they come to Ai. Not to Jericho, but to Ai. And we read all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue Joshua. You remember Joshua had a plan. He set his troops in such a way to, to, uh, to do a, a, a wise thing. He was going to take out a group and go right in front of the enemy and then turn and run, acting as if the enemy was pursuing him. They would all in the city run out of the city after him, and then his soldiers would go in and take the city and destroy the enemy. And that's exactly what happened. The wisdom of Joshua in setting his battle plans. A wise man scales the city of the mighty, city of the mighty and brings down the strongholds in which they trust. Or the, uh, the uh, Aramaic, the paraphrase says, one wise man prevailed over a city of warriors and brought down its mighty stronghold. All the people who were in the city were called together to pursue Joshua and were drawn away from the city unguarded and pursued Israel. So not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who had not gone after Israel, and they left the city unguarded and pursued Israel, and Joshua took the city. Overcome wickedness with God's wisdom. Overcome the enemy, the evil one, with the wisdom of God. That's for all of us in this room. Temptation is a daily 24-7, face-to-face battle. We wrestle not. Wrestling is hand-to-hand. Face-to-face. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting with each other. Our fight is with the evil one who comes against us to thwart our effectiveness as believers. He cannot kill us. He cannot take us to hell as believers. But he can try to thwart our plans, slow them down, sets traps, pull us away and distract us. We fight the devil with the wisdom of God. Guard what you say. It will protect your soul. You know, it's interesting to me to see the condition of people's souls who speak evil with their mouth. You see, the way I speak affects what's in my soul. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul 
from troubles, not his life from troubles, his soul. You want soul trouble? You want soul trouble? Then don't guard your tongue. Just let fly whatever comes out. He who guards his mouth and tongue guards himself from trouble. Guarding our words is guarding our souls. Watching our mouth is watching your soul. By the way, the Lord said, what comes out of your mouth tells you what's on your insides. When, when you're with your friends, what comes out of your mouth? No, I'm not talking about when we're at church and we're, we're trying to make a good show. What is it you say? Watch your mouth. Watch your soul. Whoever cares about their soul watches their mouth. Do not be hasty in word or impulse and thought. When you bring a matter up in the presence of God, for God is in heaven. This is when you go to church. For God's in heaven, you're on the earth. Let your words be few. The lips of the wise protect them. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will be, will be far from them. So what do we end with? Now we come back to the beginning of the chapter. What do we remember tonight about our Lord? Well, remember this, that the Lord directs the hearts of government leaders. It started with the kings. You can read the entire Old Testament of every great king and the Lord used them for His purposes. I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm talking about the Babylonian Empire. I'm talking about Egypt. I'm talking about all the great kings who were the kings of kings of their day and their generation. They were used and controlled by the sovereign hand of God to accomplish His purposes. We live in a world where God still, are you reading it? The king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. The Russian leader, the president of America, the, the man in China, those who lead in the dark world of Islam, all of them. God moves the leaders of this world to accomplish His purposes, for there are other things that are going to happen on the earth when the kings of the nations Rise up to fight the coming Lord Jesus on the earth. That's not a spiritual battle. That's a real thing that will happen when the Lord comes again. To the earth in this world. So remember tonight who really controls the governments of the world. God. I don't like the way it is right now. Well, why don't you trust God? The Lord knows the heart and mind of everyone. Number two, every man's ways is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. What a great, great Hebrew word. It is really a word that has to do with probing, and the paraphrase gets it better. All the ways of a man seem right to him, but the Lord probes the mind. See, he's been probing your mind while you've been here in church tonight. He's probing my mind while I'm preaching tonight. He'll probe your mind while you sleep tonight. He'll probe your mind when you wake up tomorrow. He'll probe your mind. He weighs us. He looks at our minds, which tells us our desires, our wills, our motivations, our passions. It's all there. What does God see when He probes your mind? 
Well, everything seems right to me because I convince myself deceitfully that I'm good. I fool myself, but the Lord really knows what's in me. Here's how you live in the fear of God. You remember that God directs the government leaders of the world. You remember in the fear of God that God knows your heart and your mind. Number three, you live in the fear of God and you desire to live righteously. To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord. Did you see it there in verse 3? When the Lord looks at my life, what is it that pleases God? It is when I live in righteousness. When I live a life pursuing Him, being Christ-like, to do what is right and just is more desired by the Lord than a sacrifice. So when we come tonight, we remember this is living in the fear of God, to desire to live in righteousness. And finally, to be reminded, uh, I'm reminded as I read this final word, and I have one minute, there is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. No wisdom, no prudence, no counsel can prevail against the Lord. Here we see it. This very important statement in verse 30. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel against the Lord. Which can read, you know, this is, no, no wisdom, prudence, nor counsel will prevail against the Lord. So we read the first prayer, the, the, first, the first statement in the book of Psalms that we read in chapter 2, which is most likely connected, 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2 of Psalms are most likely together in a unit, but we read the first prayer of the early church. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords. We don't need God the world says, let's make our council. Let's build a tower. Let's, let's do what we want to do and refuse God. The Lord nullifies the council of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The council of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart from generation to generation. I like what the old... A Puritan trap said, all man's wisdom while it strives, supremacy is overmatched by God. The nations are overmatched by God. Oh, should I read it again? Victory belongs to the Lord. Can anybody say amen? You're on the winning side. Rejoice! Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. To the praise of the glory of Your grace, victory in Jesus. We sing it, we sing it with joy, and victory in Jesus when we're in sorrow. Victory in Jesus when we're in sickness. Victory in Jesus when we have much. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He bought me and sought me with His blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Good to see all of you. Lord willing, see you Sunday. If there's someone here you don't know, please say hello to them on your way out. Have a good evening.